0: Well, first of all, let me wish all of you a very happy, blessed new year. A year in which you will experience, and I want to experience too, new blessings from the Lord. I have a peculiar relationship with you. Don't mistake the meaning of the word peculiar, please. Um, A special relationship with you. Because You've had me so often in such a small space of time. But not just that. I've told you before that some many months ago, the Lord put it in my heart just to pray blessing on the fellowship every day. Yes, every day. Why not? And as I was driving over here this morning, I was praying for you and for myself. And I have become aware in recent years that there are so many prayers in scripture that we can use for ourselves and for praying for other people and one that has become very, very special to me is in Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit Let's face it, we live in a hopeless world. The Bible tells us that unbelievers are people, sadly, without God and without hope. But we are in a completely opposite situation as Christians. We have the hope of glory in our hearts. Our Lord Jesus in our hearts means for us we have the hope of glory. But we mustn't postpone the whole idea of hope away until our life on earth as it is now is over. We need hope for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I very often pray for certain people every day that the Lord will fill them with joy and peace. And then the Lord began to speak to me in recent weeks about the value and the importance of hope. Hope. Because, you see, faith has more to do, in a sense, with today. Faith for now, faith for what's happening in this moment. Whereas hope has to do with tomorrow and the next day and the next day further down the line. It's looking into the future. It may be that you have been asking God as you've come to the turn of another year. Maybe you've been asking the Lord to give you something fresh and new and special. Maybe some fresh vision that he has to share with you. Something he wants you to be involved in in the days of this new year or even further ahead. And sometimes when that happens, we struggle because some of the things that God holds out to us as something we can genuinely hope for because he wants to give it to us, it seems too good to be true. It seems too great a blessing. We feel we don't deserve it. We feel we're not fit people, perhaps, to take part in something God wants us to be involved in. Ah, but, what is the key to knowing what God wants to give us. Well, the key, surely, is in the promises that God makes to us. I may have mentioned to you before that I've become very aware in recent months that a significant number of Christians rarely read the Bible at home. Oh, they come to church on Sundays and they're happy to listen to somebody else explaining what a passage of the Bible is saying, but... More and more, it seems to me, Christians leave this book unopened all the week at home. That's a dreadful mistake to make. Because, you see, it's supremely through this book that God wants to speak to us. And among the things he wants to say to us, he wants to draw our attention to promises. General promises that he's made for all the time. For example... Paul says in Philippians 4, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How is that for a promise? I love it. I quote it back to God every night. (laughs) Why not? The strongest prayer to the prayer to be quoted back to God. You said it, Lord. You promised to do it so. Here I am, open hands, ready to receive. My God will supply all your needs not just any old how but on a scale in keeping with his glory in Christ Jesus Five star, everything, the very very best oh yes now we're going to think this morning, not about that verse I've just read to you in Romans 15 we're going to think to you about an old man who was given an amazing promise and he couldn't believe it oh, now who would that be well, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Last time I was with you, we were looking at the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary, the mother of our Lord. We're going back to an earlier part of the chapter today. and reading in Luke chapter 1 about the visit of the same angel Gabriel to Zechariah. Here it is in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, Lord, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. many of the people of Israel will he bring back the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord Zechariah asked the angel how can I be sure of this I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he would seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray. Father we're here this morning for various reasons but partly because we believe that you want to speak to us you want to add something to our lives through what you will say in this place this morning so please help me by your Holy Spirit Father as I speak and help all of us as we consider what you're going to say to us help us to respond to it in the way you desire in Jesus name Here was this old man, Zechariah, one of the Jewish priests. The Jewish priests were very many in number, and there were so many of them, a man would only be given the opportunity, perhaps once in a lifetime, to burn incense. So this was a very special day in the life of this very elderly priest, Zechariah. And there he is, about to burn incense in the temple when all of a sudden he has a visitor. Angel Gabriel appears to him and speaks to him. I've just read about the conversation they had. Given the promise of a son and told what his son would do, Zechariah thinks not of the promise that these things would happen, but of the problem that seemed to make it all impossible he said I'm an old man and my wife is an old lady and we're past having children it's too late that's virtually what he said he didn't say when will this happen that would have been okay. he didn't say why have you chosen Elizabeth and me for this great honour and privilege that would be okay. he asks in effect how he's really saying It would be wonderful if it could happen, but, but, it can't happen, oh dear. Let's begin by thinking about the promise that Zechariah failed to believe. There was, in the first instance, the gift God wanted him to have. You see, we learn from the passage that this couple had been praying for years for children, And they'd given up, no doubt, because it was too late. But here is an an angel, and not any old angel, but the archangel Gabriel turns up in the temple and tells old Zechariah, you're going to have a son. You, Elizabeth, going to have a baby. You and Elizabeth are going to be parents. And that points to a gift that God wanted him to have. Now, maybe we this morning or in the near future God's going to draw your attention or mine to a gift he wants us to have we better be careful we don't react in the same way that Zechariah did let's just pause for a moment to think about the very special gifts that God has given to every Christian we've been exchanging gifts at Christmas and Jesus said on one occasion it's more blessed it's a happier thing to give than to receive and I hope you've experienced that I find joy in giving. I find joy in receiving as well. But giving, giving, giving is part of life in a sense. Let's think of one or two of the very special gifts of God. In Romans 6.23, Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now that doesn't just mean physical death when our physical life is ended. It implies spiritual death and eternal separation. Those who persist in a life that is sinful and offensive to God have no option but to experience this dreadful, eternal death. Oh dear. But the second half of the verse, of course, says, but the gift of God, and the word means a free gift, a grace gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord that's why we can smile in the face of all the adversity that goes on in the world around us because we've been blessed with a new life that nothing can take from us remember what peter said when he preached on the day of pentecost you remember the holy spirit had been poured out on the day of pentecost in fulfillment of prophecies made hundreds of years ago by joel and Peter gets up to preach and he takes the prophecy of Joel as his text for the preaching and he preaches about the Lord Jesus Christ the crucifixion of Jesus the death of Jesus for our sins the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the reporting of the Spirit of God and as this vast crowd that has gathered listens to him they become more and more upset more and more unsettled more and more disturbed until they can stand it no longer never happened to me when I preach this thing but never, never mind they call out, What shall we do? They sense they had to do something. They had to make some response to what they were hearing Peter preaching. And Peter was not slow to answer their question. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sin will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when an unbeliever, a sinful person, comes to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and yields their life to the Lord Jesus Christ not only do they get eternal life for keeps not only do they get the forgiveness of sins but they get the gift of the Holy Spirit as well three gifts right away when we come to Jesus you see God is the greatest lover in the universe and the greatest giver in the universe nobody gives like our god all these are mine when i come to jesus and then i begin to follow jesus and i find well i still have problems i still have difficulties and there's still things i don't find easy to cope with and jesus says matthew 11:28 come to me i'll give you rest all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden come just come to me I'll give you rest so we come to heaven in prayer and we say Lord you promised it I'm restless and you know why I'm restless things are not going right for me I'm restless maybe somebody here this morning is restless and Jesus is saying ok just come afresh to me come afresh to me I'm the giver of rest I will give you rest and then just a good measure, one more gift we can think of. In James chapter one, verse five. James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and doesn't give you a row for asking, and it will be given him a promise, cast iron promise. Wisdom. Because you see, every one of us to live the way we ought to live, we need wisdom. I need wisdom, you need wisdom. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is a set of facts. It's loads of information. But it's what we do with that information. It's how we respond to the facts. That's where we need wisdom. Lord, how do I handle this situation? I don't know what to do. Wisdom. Another of God's gifts. You see? God is giving us gifts every day of the year. Every day we receive gifts of many kinds. And here was Zechariah. Promised a very, very special gift. A son in his old age. And he couldn't believe it. Hmm. The promise he failed to believe it was concerning the gift God wanted him to have but it was concerning far more than that. It was concerning the goal God wanted to achieve. You see, as Gabriel outlined what kind of person this boy would grow up to be, what kind of man he would be, what kind of ministry he would have. The last thing he said was, he's going to make people ready for the Lord. He's making ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now remember Zechariah as a Jewish priest, perhaps familiar with the prophecy in Isaiah 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And this is the prophet coming, John the Baptist. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy of 700 years before. And that's what God wants to achieve. He wants to have somebody in place who will prepare the way for the Lord. And John the Baptist was his chosen person for that. You see, as we look at the scriptures, we see that this word prepare keeps cropping up again and again and again. I mean all of you ladies or maybe some of the men as well have been doing a bit of special preparing, preparing the Christmas dinner, preparing, preparing, preparing preparing the gifts for the children preparing the gifts and so on and so on we all do preparing part of our life we go to the end of the Bible and we find for example in Revelation 21 John speaking about what he sees and hears as he looks into heaven and he says I saw the holy city the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God Prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. See, what's God working at in your life and in mine right now? He's working at preparation. Because you see, one of the titles of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the bridegroom. And we who know him and love him, together we form his bride. And the bride is being prepared. We've been alive in Christ. We have new life in Christ, but that's only the beginning. And day after day, year after year, God keeps working in your life and in mine. It be a sad day if he stopped working. But he's not going to stop working. He's preparing us more and more for that day we shall come forth as the holy bride of the wonderful Lord Jesus. Go back to chapter 19 of Revelation and again we find John saying that I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah but our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come the bridegroom one title the Lamb another title and his bride has made herself ready oh the bride has done something to make herself ready Now, those of you who uh, know what it's like to be a bride, you know all about that. Making yourself ready for that very special moment when you were made one with your husband in marriage. And it says here, the bride has made herself ready. Ah, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. You and I who belong to Jesus, have special garments on this morning, we're wearing a robe of righteousness which Jesus has given to us. But we won't the righteousness of Jesus has been credited to us, but then, as his people, as those who love him and want to please him, we've got to work out this righteousness in our lives, the righteous acts of the saints. That's a challenge to us every day of the year. So the bride has to cooperate in making herself ready. For the bridegroom. To go back even further in the chapter of chapter 5 of Revelation, we find John saying as he looks into heaven they sang a new song addressed to Jesus you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men from, for God from every language and tribe and people and nation. All began when Jesus died on the cross he laid down his life for us he purchased us by shedding his blood So, the goal, the goal, God wants to achieve a people prepared. Now the preparation includes, of course, many things. And one of the key things in the preparation of the Christian to live the kind of life that pleases the Lord and brings glory to Him, we need power to do this. And more than once the believers in the early church were told what to expect and before he went back to heaven our Lord Jesus said to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. We cannot live this Christian life without the power of the Spirit of God and I suspect some Christians rarely ask for a fresh enabling by the Spirit of God. I'm greedy. I ask for it every day. Once in a while is not good enough for me. Ask again and again for a fresh enabling of the Spirit of God to live out this life and glorify Jesus but there's something else in which I have a vested interest oh what could that be Ephesians chapter 4 Paul is writing to the Christians in Ephesus and he's talking about the ascended Lord Jesus and he says it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers what for? here it is again prepare to prepare God's people for works of service at the body of Christ will be built up so you see those of us who have been called to be evangelists or prophets or pastors or teachers it's all part of this whole preparation thing to prepare the church to come forth as a beautiful bride ready for a wonderful husband the promise Zechariah failed to believe there was the gift God wanted to give him and to Elizabeth And there was a goal God wanted to achieve. Secondly, the pronouncement Zechariah had to hear. You see, when you say things like Zechariah said to the angel Gabriel, you must surely expect some kind of response. But I imagine that Zechariah was very badly shaken by the response he received from Gabriel the pronouncement he had to hear what the angel said was meant to make Zechariah aware first of all of the sender of the promise you see, lots of people have made promises to you and to me in the course of our lives and they haven't followed through in the promise they've broken the promise we know that human beings are very fallible they make make promises and don't keep them we've all done it I'm afraid in various degrees But you see, Gabriel was concerned to make Zechariah aware of the sender of the promise. Poor old Zechariah says, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. And the angel answers, I am Gabriel. And the name Gabriel means God is mighty. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words which will come true in their proper time. Zechariah must have been shattered when he heard that. He's probably around 80 this man. He's been a priest for many years half a century he did a lot of talking ever since he could learn to speak a few words as a little child he's been talking and suddenly he's told you're going on nine months silence Zechariah you will not be able to speak a single word until this child is born hmm so that's how seriously God takes our unbelief the sender of the promise is God and the sender of everything in a sense that is good and precious and worth having is God thinking of John the Baptist you see we go to John chapter 1 and we find John the apostle who wrote the gospel story saying there came a man who was sent from God his name was John John had a unique role in history John the Baptist and he came and one day Jesus was around near where John was and John and one or two of his disciples his friends and he pointed to Jesus and he said look there he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he went on to say I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptize him with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony: I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I wouldn't have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, "The man in whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit." I have seen, and I testify that this is the Son of God. God sent John the Baptist God sent his beloved son and that is further emphasized in John chapter 20 now Jesus has been crucified now Jesus has been raised from the dead and on our first Easter Sunday evening he appears through locked doors where the disciples are meeting And Jesus shows them his hands and his side and they're full of joy when they see the Lord. And Jesus says to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. With that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. The Father sent John the Baptist to prepare for the way, of, the way for Jesus. The Father sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And now Jesus sends His people throughout the earth. What for? To deal with sin. To deal with sin. That's the number one human problem, isn't it? Of course it is. And Jesus said, I'm sending you out to deal with sin. And you'll certainly need the help of my Holy Spirit to do that and moving on into Acts for a moment that occasion when Jesus was preaching in the home of the Roman soldier Cornelius and as Peter preaches in the soldier's home he says this is the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all you know what has happened throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism of John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. You see again it's God. God. Supplying the power. Even for his son. To operate in a body of flesh. On this earth. The sender of the promise. That Zechariah couldn't believe. Was no other than the living God himself. And so as he listens to the words of Gabriel, ponders their significance. He's made aware that not only is the sender of the promise God, but the source of the power is from God. And so he hears Gabriel say, My words will come true, implying that he who sent the promise had the power to cause his word to be fulfilled. Now, as the children sang this song that I never heard before until this morning about the feeding of the 5,000 I was reminded that that miracle occurred when Jesus prayed but how did he pray? You remember what he prayed? He didn't say, Father would you please, please provide a miracle because there's an awful hungry mouths to feed here no, that's not what he prayed the gospel letters tell us that he looked up to heaven and gave thanks oh that's all give thanks thankfulness and praise are incredibly powerful sometimes it's right to plead with God at other times just give thanks give thanks praise him look what happened when Paul and Silas praised God in the prison at Philippi and the earthquake salvation of a household a dealer and his family miracle they didn't plead with God to rescue them they praised God praise God oh, there's power and praise yes, give thanks the source of the power was God he is the Lord of hosts the Lord of heavens armies and earth's armies our God is sovereign omnipotent nothing is too hard for the Lord the same Gabriel was going to tell me nothing, nothing is impossible with God I don't know about you but sometimes I long, I long to actually witness miracles well we we probably all witness small miracles now and again but I would love to see some bigger ones because nothing, nothing is impossible with God and God has promised to supply all our needs. And sometimes, let's face it, it does take a miracle to do that. The pronouncement Zechariah had to hear, speaking about the sender of the promise being God and the source of the power being God. Then we just finish by pointing out the price he had to pay. Yes, we've touched that already. For nine long months, he was not going to be able to utter a single word now you know how much I love speaking you know how much I love preaching the word of God I can't imagine how I would feel if God said Sandy for nine months you can write letters but you will not be able to speak a single word it seemed a fairly heavy punishment for his unbelief He's told of the deprivation he must suffer. The faculty through which he had expressed his faithfulness would for a time express his powerlessness. Can you imagine his friends asking him, why have you stopped talking, Zechariah? And he has to tell them, And he's so ashamed. It's all because of his unbelief. Oh, God save us from unbelief. Let's go back as we close to the Old Testament. The Numbers, Book of Numbers to a very powerful example of what can happen when people are unbelieving. The Jewish people rescued from bondage and slavery in Egypt were now on the border of the promised land, which God had promised to give them and planned to give them and wanted to give them. And the spies were sent in by Moses to spy out the land, to come back with a report. And they came back with a report. And they said, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The men who had gone up with Joshua and Caleb, the majority of the spies said we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They said we can't well, up to a point they were right in saying that, we can't but they didn't say of course God can and we're going we can go Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land we can certainly do it but the majority prevailed and God was very displeased with his people and really threatened to destroy them because of their rank unbelief and Moses has ever pled with the Lord to be merciful and forgive and the Lord replied in chapter 14 we have it I have forgiven them as you asked nevertheless as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times not one of them Will ever see the land, I promise an oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now we think that Gabriel's sentence, as it were, on Zechariah was a bit harsh, unable to speak for nine months. But the sentence of God on the Israelites in Moses' day was a great deal more harsh because for 40 long years they were condemned to wandering in the wilderness until all that unbelieving generation had died off and only Moses, only Caleb and Joshua were spared to go into the promised land only the two who had believed God and said yes if God's giving this to us we can do it because it's all summed up in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 3 these words were written to Jewish Christians who were struggling and finding life quite difficult and various things are said to them and they're reminded of what happened to their ancestors in the days of Moses and it's summed up in the verse that says we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief and our Lord Jesus taught that we find it in Mark 11 he taught about the danger of unbelief. He said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, believe that you have received it and it will be yours See, every time we're faced with a promise from God we have a choice either to believe it and declare its fulfilment or to give way to unbelief and say no I don't have faith for that or if we're conscious as we sometimes are that we don't have the level of faith that we need for certain things Are we not free to ask God? Of course we are. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I do not want, in the days of this new year or in any year, to be guilty of unbelief. It dishonours God and it robs us of blessings. And I want you to be blessed in the days of this new year, and I want myself to be blessed in the days of this new year and as I drove down here this morning I prayed for you as I said that the Lord would fill you and me in this new year with joy and peace and we would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that's what God wants for us peace and joy and hope that really makes a difference to the way we live and enhances our witness far more than we realise we often have friends who are focusing on the evils in the world and how dreadful the world has become and how dreadful people are be- how they're behaving so cruelly and in an appalling ways throughout the earth and very often we can be downcast as we dwell on these things but we even know the Lord can smile and say well I for one have hope I don't want to lose it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that among your many titles, you are called in Scripture the God of hope. And we thank you that you want us, your people, to be a people who not only are filled with joy and peace, but who also, day by day, not occasionally, but day by day, overflow with hope. So help us Father, to seek out in your word the promises that you are actually wanting to draw attention to and give us the faith to pray for their fulfilment in Jesus name.